Have you ever wondered why exactly it is that things usually sound better at home than they do on stage, in auditions, or even in lessons? It's easy to chalk it up to nerves or assume that you just have to practice more or get more performance experience. And sure, those things certainly are part of the puzzle, but a lot of times that's not really the true root cause. If you've been confused by the inconsistency of your performances, I put together a free four-minute quiz called the Mental Skills Audit, which will help you pinpoint your mental strengths and weaknesses and figure out what exactly to adjust and tweak in your preparation for more consistently optimal performances. You can take the Mental Skills Audit online at bulletproofmusician.com MSA. That's MSA for Mental Skills Audit. And again, it's 100% free, and it'll take just four minutes to get your results emailed to you as a PDF. This is Noah Kageyama, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Musician Podcast. Every Sunday morning, we'll take a look at a new research-based tip or technique to help you practice more effectively or perform better under pressure. And on the first Sunday of every month, I'll have a guest from the music, sport, or research world who will share their insights on how we can all be a little more awesome in the practice room and on stage. When time is short and we have a lot of notes to learn, it's easy to feel overwhelmed and simply plow through as much as we can in a frenetic, bulldozery kind of way. None of this feels particularly smart or effective as we're doing it, but in the moment, the desperation kind of compels us to abandon any semblance of practice strategery and simply hunker down and keep our fingers moving, which feels more productive than stopping to engage in practice planning. But is there a better way of learning music when time is limited? Are there specific strategies that can help us get to a higher level of play more quickly? Or do we have to just dive in and maximize the number of repetitions we can get in? In many areas of our lives, knowing what to do is only part of the equation. For instance, I can have a perfectly sound understanding of how to add, subtract, multiply, and divide fractions, but if I encounter a story problem and can't figure out which operation to use, my results are going to be less than ideal. The when is perhaps just as important as knowing what. And this is where the art and skill of practicing comes into play. Like, when is it helpful to engage in slow practice? When is it more helpful to engage in fast at tempo practice? When should we use or not use the metronome? When should we engage in or not engage in interleaved practice? When should we practice at all and when should we just take a break? What should we be working on anyway? And what are the biggest priorities? This begins to get into an area of practice tactics known as self-regulation, as in what do the most effective practicers do to make sure they're not being inefficient and simply banging their heads up against a wall. When we're little, we have parents to help us avoid getting stuck in a rut, but at some point we have to become our own practice coaches and ensure we're making the most of our time and energy. To that end, Indiana University professor Pete Mixa conducted a study to see what would happen if you trained one group of students in effective practice techniques, like slow practice, repetition, whole part whole, and chaining, and another group in the same practice techniques plus self-regulation strategies, like concentration, goal selection, planning, self-evaluation, and rest and reflective activity. Would there be a difference in learning between these two groups? On day one, the students in both groups recorded themselves sight-reading an etude provided by the researcher. Next, they were given 20 minutes to practice the etude in any way they wanted, 
Then they were asked to record a second performance of the etude. On day two, both groups were asked to watch a video about various strategies for more effective practicing. And this is where the group's training experiences began to diverge. One group's video, the comparison group, trained them in a series of practice techniques like chaining and whole part whole. More on that in a little bit. Meanwhile, the other group's video, the treatment group, included not just the same collection of practice techniques, but self-regulation strategies like effective goal selection and self-evaluation. Importantly, both videos included not just a description of the practice and self-regulation strategies, but illustrative demonstrations as well, with the models, which were several advanced grad students, giving a running play-by-play of what they were doing and thinking as they demonstrated each example. Following the 15 to 17 minute video tutorial, students were asked to try out the ideas they learned from the video during their regular practice for the day. On day three, both groups watched the videos again and were asked once more to try to use these ideas in their practice. Day four was more the same, and then came day five. As on day one, students were given a fresh etude to sight read, which they recorded, and then they had 20 minutes to practice before having to record it again. So how did the students do the second time around? Did the self-regulation strategies do anything to enhance their learning? After all of the students' recordings were evaluated by a panel of three graduate music students, it was time to do some number crunching. And several cool findings emerged from the data. Overall, on both day one and day five, both groups made progress during their 20-minute practice session. However, they made more progress during the same 20-minute time span on day five, suggesting that the video tutorials did help them become more effective practicers. But even cooler, the treatment group. Remember, this was the practice strategies plus self-regulation training group. They won up the comparison group on day five, making significantly greater improvement on their etude in the same 20 minutes of practice. So from day one to day five, something changed in their ability to learn more quickly. The researcher suggests that over the course of the five days, the students in the treatment group may have learned how to better apply the practice strategies in a more effective and strategically optimal way. For instance, one difference in the practice behaviors of the two groups was that on day five, the treatment group spent more time working on musical nuances, like articulation and interpretive issues, as opposed to just working on the notes and rhythms. For me, there were three main takeaways from this study. Number one, Teaching students at this level about practice strategies is still worthwhile, i.e. it shouldn't be assumed that just because they're playing at a high level that they couldn't use more tools in their practice strategy toolbox. My second takeaway was that teaching students about self-regulation strategies is an absolutely meaningful investment of time, potentially saving them lots of time and frustration over the course of their academic and professional careers. And number three, Creating a practice-enhancing video tutorial, such as the one used in this study, might be a fun studio project and provide dividends in the learning of students for many years to come. Oh, and remember how I said I'd come back to the idea of chaining, whole part whole, goal selection, self-evaluation, and all that? So let's take a quick minute here to go over those. Chaining would be, let's say you have a phrase that's too difficult for you to play all in one fell swoop. Chaining just involves starting with the first bit that you can play, and once you get the hang of that, adding additional little bits to it until eventually you're playing the phrase in its entirety. Whole part whole would be, let's say you're having trouble with a section of music, and there's one part in particular that's especially gnarly. 
Whole part whole would involve working on that little trouble spot in isolation, but then playing the larger section again to make sure you can nail that tricky bit in context. Goal selection would be where, rather than simply diving in and getting stuck in the mindless loop of playing things over and over until they sound better, this is where you take a moment to A, make a note of the key areas that need work, and B, create a plan for how you're going to solve these issues before you even get started, and also to prioritize them in some meaningful order, like working on the more basic foundational things first, then moving to more advanced, higher level issues, or even in terms of difficulty, from most to least difficult. Self-evaluation would be where rather than practicing until you just can't take it anymore, instead to take a quick break every so often to just take stock of your focus level during practice sessions or spending a moment to ask yourself whether you're still practicing effectively or if you're just distracted and zoned out and should probably take a real honest-to-goodness break to recharge. Kind of like the 20-20-20 rule that my kid's eye doctor suggested, where you take a 20-second break every 20 minutes to rest your eyes by looking at least 20 feet away. This could also mean checking in with yourself to do a self-evaluation of how effectively your current practice strategy is working, and maybe moving on to a new section or trying a different strategy if what you're doing isn't really getting you anywhere. Before we wrap up, I wanted to give you a quick heads up that today is the last day to sign up for the winter 2022 edition of Performance Psychology Essentials for Educators. If this is the first you're hearing about it, that's the live online six-week course where you'll learn the research-based skills, strategies, techniques, and concepts related to managing nerves, getting into the zone, and practicing for the stage that I found most useful and helpful with my own students. If you've been looking for some new tools to add to your teaching toolbox and would love to geek out about the sort of thing we covered in today's episode, and not just to keep students engaged and motivated in the practice room, but also help them experience a tiny bit more joy and less anxiety on stage. You can learn more about the course at bulletproofmusician.com educators. 